I love you. I love each and every one of my trans family members. I love all of you. I want you to live. I want you to breathe and sustain. I want you to stand tall and proud and black and live. I'm Lauren Williams, your host, and that's Cayenne Dorjo at the 2020 March for Black Trans Lives in Brooklyn, New York. Cayenne stands nervously gripping the podium in front of a sea of 15,000 people. Everyone's eyes are glued on her. In this moment, she is a beacon of light for trans women across the nation. But Cayenne wasn't always a daring, ferocious advocate. She was once just a young trans kid afraid and isolated in her conservative Catholic home. Her journey of self-discovery was infused with a lot of pain and rejection, but it ultimately led her to this very moment in the heart of Brooklyn. Kyan's story starts in Bushwick in the 1970s. I grew up in Bushwick, the old Bushwick. Bushwick that had block parties and you know, the, the aunties were making pateles and bacalaitos, and it was a very family-oriented neighborhood. Kayan's mother was a pillar of her community, and she taught her what it meant to show up for others. My mom was an educator right around the corner from our house. So everybody in the neighborhood knew my mom. And then we gave out free lunch, which now that I'm older and realize what my mom had actually done, she was insane forever doing that. We did it every day for every summer for years. So we got to help and serve the community. And as a child, it's a wonderful lesson to learn, but it was a pain in the ass for us. While Cayenne lived in this bustling, close-knit neighborhood, she often felt alone. As she began to openly explore her trans identity, friends and family started to distance themselves from her. I often, as a child, thought of suicide. I fantasized of suicide so much because there was no place I was comfortable. Not in my mind, not in school. Dorsha went to Catholic school from the ages of 6 to 14. It was conservative, traditional, and intolerant of trans people. I wanted to wear the little plaid skirt desperately. Not being able to wear the cute plaid skirts and present as a girl wasn't the only reason why Cayenne felt ostracized. The nuns and priests that her family revered were at the core of Cayenne's pain and grief. In Catholic school is where I first was felt up by a minister or a pastor or a reverend, whatever you want to call them. And the other side of that was that the nuns were violent towards me, violent towards my femininity, just violent, which made me an introvert in, in school. Not because I was an introvert, I was forced into being an introvert, which in my mind, again, kept me daydreaming about what it would be like to just end it and not have to live this. After years of sitting in silence, afraid of who and what she was, Cayenne agreed to go to state-sponsored therapy. 
my dad took me to therapy and all the way to therapy. He complained about how he had to take the day off to take me to therapy. And uh. This is where she was finally able to be heard and seen in a way she least expected. There was one therapist that had on penny loafers with a quarter in them. I had only seen a penny in a penny loafer. And he had on pink argyle socks and a pink shirt. As soon as I walked in the room, he sat me down. He put the thing outside the door, the noise blocker. And he said, can I tell you a secret? I said, yeah. He said, there's nothing wrong with you. And I cried. I cried really hard to hear a therapist say, you're not gay, you're not lesbian, and you're not crazy. You are different. Cayenne was beaming, fully on cloud nine. She felt affirmed. Her therapist suggested that she attended LGBTQ youth groups in New York City. At 15, while she was still living at home, she had a newfound sense of security in her identity and her transness, she was ready to venture out into the world with hope, to connect with kids just like her. But when she stepped into the doors of the Gay and Lesbian Center, it was different. It was cold. I went in a, a youth group, support group, supposedly, and everybody there was either sent there by the Board of Education or runaways. And... In that group, they told me I was not accepted. They said, you, there's something else going. You're not gay. You're not lesbian. Once again, ostracized. And this time, by my own community. How did that make you feel? And it upset me so bad. I left. I walked out. I knew I was going to get in trouble. So I ran away. But at that juncture, to know in my own community, I was not accepted, was a mind blower. Like, oh shit, even y'all are racist, bigots, oh my God. Like we're all in the same boat. Dora's show was right back at square one. No one to call family, no one to call home. She felt a sense of helplessness a teenage girl on her own in New York City. That was until she found a tiny little guidebook detailing all things queer in New York City. It was then she discovered a magical place called 96 West. From the outside, it's a quaint piano bar, but when the clock strikes 10, it transforms into an all-out rager. With A-list celebrities like Grace Jones and Shaka Khan, at 96 West, the night seems to never end, and the fun never stops. This is where she learns what it means to be a woman. I was able to do the most insane things in my youth. I gave Grace Jones a rose. And she ate the rose. She said, darling, the only way to remember this moment is to digest it. I remember my first bad experience with drugs, I thought I was dying. And Shaka Khan's sister actually helped me go to the bathroom and cleaned me up. Then once I got myself together, 
she held my hand and took me to the dance floor. And there was Shaka Khan in the middle of the floor with Steve Winwood dancing. 96 West isn't just a place where Cayenne dances for hours until her feet ache. She had been searching for acceptance for so long. And it's in this very piano bar where she finds people who love her for all that she is. It's here that she finds her family. By finding 96 West, it refined my definition of who I was and who I was becoming. My youth was guided by the elders, the Black socialites in gay life. There were definitely people there in that space to tell me, don't you ever wear that again. Don't ever do that. You have on too much makeup. You have, and those were lessons I needed to know. But also they would sit and help me do my homework. They parented me. I was privy to be a part of, of this whole underground world or a world that I didn't even know existed and the guidance and lessons that I needed to learn. I had those elders that really shifted, guided, and changed my trajectory where I could see a future and not so much suicide. This was Cayenne's safe space, and it instilled a sense of pride in her trans identity. She no longer wants to hide her femininity. She wants to wear it proudly. However, Seemingly overnight, the elders that she had been parented by were ravaged by the HIV-AIDS crisis of the 80s. These important support people were being buried right before her eyes. Her safety net that she had relied on was dwindling. She finds herself again, nowhere to go, nowhere to live. Now, she is a young adult, struggling with homelessness bouncing from one shelter to the next. I think when I was 18, I went to Covenant House. They put me in a room with boys, and it was not good. They kept me up all night. The second night, they put me and a girl that identified like me in a whole section, not just a room. We had like a whole section to ourselves until they finally came and told us that. Covenant House was not for us. In order to support herself, Cayenne starts to do BDSM sex working. BDSM is an umbrella term that refers to a spectrum of sexual behaviors and preferences. In Cayenne's case, it did not involve physical sex with other people. She took out ads to promote her work, and she created a loyal clientele base. She found it rewarding, and most importantly, she could pay her rent and live safely in her apartment. How therapeutic. For every person that had domestically hurt me, I was able to clear some of that up in my mind by abusing these other people that were paying me to abuse them. I was able to not only do so much, but I was able to bury community members. I was able to create housing around housing trans women in the winter. I initiated the first hormone program in Medi Jersey City Medical Center. I did all of this with sex work behind me. Kaya now has this newfound job and purpose, but it all came to a halt one stormy evening when she got a knock on her door from a police officer. He was very polite. Madam, what can I do for you? I said, 
take out the trash and walk my dog. When he came back upstairs, I said, wash my dishes. Then I started to hear, right before the thunder, I started to hear the, the airpiece. And I was like, oh shit, he's a cop. And then the thunder happened and it got real dark and then they kicked in my door. Because she didn't take any cash during the exchange with the police officer, it didn't count as sex work. However, Cayenne did have a $5 bag of weed on her while she was arrested. This was during a time where marijuana was heavily criminalized, especially against Black people. Cayenne's fate was now left in the hands of the justice system. Scared and alone, she braced herself for the worse. I was told that I would get a slap on the wrist, I would get a ticket. That was a lie. And it was by the DA's office. That was a lie. They wanted to make me an example. I served 30 days in jail for a $5 bag of weed. Kyan served her time in a men's prison, a situation that already elicited fear and anxiety for her only got worse when an article was published detailing Cayenne's line of work and arrest story. So I was literally under the radar until the newspaper article came out. And then everything you think that goes along with an article like that coming out, my mom hated me, never wanted to talk to me again. All of that happened. We didn't talk for years. I had death threats. But then while in jail, they took my article, the COs, and showed it around to the inmates. If that wasn't worse, my cellmate actually stabbed somebody in the neck, another sex worker. It was an experience. It taught me a lot. It also told me, taught me how conniving the system could be. Cayenne had to endure years of hardship. But those lessons she learned along the way only made her stronger. She learned how to navigate the murky justice system. She learned how homelessness impacts one's mental and physical health. She learned the importance of having a safe space and community. She learned how detrimental it is not to have anyone in your corner. That's why she founded Gay and Lesbians Living in Transgender Society, also known as GLITZ, a organization that is a labor of her love and commitment to social change for trans people across the nation. Out of every pain and tear and harm and, and path that I had been through, creating something out of turmoil and dismay and prejudice and bigotry and homophobia and transphobia and still trying to make it happen. Glitz provides an array of services for young trans people of color, from career training to housing referrals. Cayenne works hands-on with the members of her community to ensure their path to excellence and self-sufficiency. She is constantly encouraging the people she services to dream bigger, to broaden their horizons. One of my first clients, and she said, I need a high school diploma. And then that's not good enough. I want a nursing degree. And now she's a nurse. She came to this country barely talking English. She's fluent and thriving and living in PA and doing well. And she's a nurse. My expectations are high for us. I don't see being mediocre as something we can do. 
we have to be beyond mediocre. On her own path to rise above mediocrity, Kine wanted to tackle housing for trans people in New York City. She described the affordable housing process as incredibly bleak, where Black trans people are pushed into the most unsafe areas with little protection or guidance. So, her and her team hatched a plan. She would create a video asking for donations, she would post it on all of her social platforms, and with that money, she would buy and create her own affordable 12 housing unit. We had unprecedented donations. And at the Black Trans Liberation March, I said I would do this. I, I'm a woman of my word. If I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. That was in June, in November of 2020, I bought the building. The upkeep of the building in Woodhaven's Queens is not without its challenges. But Cayenne isn't going to back down from any obstacles because she is dedicated to see her vision for peace and safety for the trans community come to fruition. I barely am making it by by buying a low-income building, considering everything that has the taxes and all of that. But people are sustained. People are going to school, are thriving, are living in a good location, not in the projects in opulence because that's what we deserve. We've been through enough. Despite the monetary constraints, Cayenne wants more. I wish I had a hundred unit building. I wish that that march could have gotten us access to have a bigger site because my God, what's thriving in there is sustainability. And people that have suffered through addiction are on the other side of it and living. People that have suffered through medical issues are on the other side of it. They're sustaining. Our elders have the chance to never leave if they don't have to. To never leave. That's sustainability. She has not only created affordable housing for trans people, but in 2020, she sprung into action to help those who are incarcerated in the city. During the pandemic, countless of people in prison were left unprotected from the virus. No masks, no vaccines, and no visits from family or friends. Kaya knew she had to do something. I got the first call from jail and somebody actually had somebody next to them that was dead. And they had not removed the body. And I was like, okay, we got to get everybody out. We got a bailout fund. We got to share my check. We got Airbnbs and put people in them. It was the dumbest but smartest idea I've ever had. It also gave people a chance to get out of jail and not go back. Some of those people today are thriving and and doing and working and living their best lives. That's what we wanted. Cayenne's tireless work has coined her the title, the godmother of the Black Trans Lives Matter movement. How does that make you feel? It makes me emotional. It makes me emotional. Um, I didn't see myself living past 25. 
I did not see these dreams or hopes or wishes for my people and to be called the godmother of the Black trans life movement and actually stand proud in it. While Cayenne covets her role as a godmother, she notes that it isn't an easy role. In fact, some days she feels as though she's lost her personal identity. It's also hard when so many people see you but don't see you. They see you as an image, but not as a person, not as someone that has feelings, not as someone that actually gives a damn about their selves, just see you as the mechanism that is glitz. It's a heavy cross to bear, but it is a cross I can hold. I can hold with respect and honor. From daring to dream about wearing plaid skirts, wearing makeup for the first time, and discovering who she really was. Cayenne's view about womanhood has evolved over the past 40 years. What belief do you hold about womanhood in this moment? My womanhood is my faith and my belief in myself and no one else can have that. But for myself and my transness, I don't really wanna be a woman. I wanna be a lady. Because maneuvering as a lady is cultivated. I'm never going to be a biological woman, period. So I don't think I strive to be a woman. I strive to be a strong Black trans lady. Cayenne is a strong Black trans lady. And in this phase of her life, surprisingly enough, she has begun to take care of her aging parents, the parents who once rejected her. This caregiving arrangement hasn't been full of the heartbreak she experienced as a child. Now, as an adult, she finds it to be therapeutic. The child, I have been angry for a very long time at them, but the, the child, the adult child I am, the humility and forgiveness in me to be able to do what I'm doing today. Very proud of. I couldn't give a fuck about what anybody else say. Being able to be in these shoes at this time, doing what I'm doing isn't even about my family. It's about me. Not even about my mom. It's about me, because I've paved the way for myself to forgive everybody. But for me to be in a place of now caregiver, when nobody cared for me. How did you forgive? Ugh, that was not easy. Because yes, I had every right to be horrified at them. But I had to forgive myself for everything I did because of them. Yes. Y'all cast me out and that was the obvious. But I have to take control and I have to realize that I gave them too much power. So I got to forgive them and let them go so I could get me back. After five decades, she has returned home as a dutiful daughter as a godmother to a community of over a thousand people. Cayenne is the epitome of a change maker. 
And I want to give a special thank you to filmmusic.io, blue.sessions, and freesounds.org. <laughs>